our official Rutgers SECD Lab podcast, SECD On Demand. My name is Aisar Abdul-Jalil, and I'm a rising third-year student at Wellesley College in Massachusetts. I study international relations history and music, and I'm an intern on the digital communications and social media team at the SECD Lab. I'm joined here today to meet with David Adams by my wonderful co-host, Jennifer Kite. Hi, I'm Jennifer Kite. I'm a graduate student studying strategic communications at Rutgers University, and I'm lucky enough to work with ISR on the digital communications and social media team. I'm also the mom of three elementary age children. So now it's our pleasure to formally introduce David Adams. David is the chief executive officer of the Urban Assembly. He started with the Urban Assembly back in 2014 as the director of social emotional learning, SEL, where he created the Resilient Scholars Program, RSP, a unique approach to integrating SEL into curriculum and classroom practices across the UA Urban Assembly network. RSP has grown into a national program serving schools and districts in LA, Houston, Syracuse, and other cities. Furthermore, as the Senior Director of Strategy, David led the expansion of the organization into a model provider of school support with an emphasis on innovation and equity in public education. In 2021, David received the Champion of Equity Award from the American Consortium for Equity in Education. David sits on the board of CASEL, C-A-S-E-L, and is the author of The Educator's Practical Guide to Emotional Intelligence and a co-author of the textbook, Challenges to Integrating Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Programs in Organizations. He is a Civil Affairs Officer in the Army Reserve and holds a Master's in Education in Educational Psychology from Fordham University. I just want to add, David, that we're so thrilled that you're here with us. Thank you so much. We're so appreciative. Um, so thank you for joining us. How's everything going? How's your day so far? The day is great. You know, not in my bio, but I am proud, proud graduate and alumni from Rutgers University. I uh, spent my four years undergrad there um, at the SCCD lab a little bit while back. And so I want to make sure that you guys know that this is about me coming home. Are you from New Jersey originally? I am. I am from New Jersey originally, and I am from New Jersey today. Uh, I live in the same town I grew up in, I do New Jersey, and um, I commute to New York City every day. I thought I saw that you were a Rutgers alum. I think we may have overlapped a little bit. I graduated in um, 98, just to give it all away. <laughs> yeah, I graduated in 2006. Oh, so no, not even a little bit. <laughs> well, it's always nice for another Scarlet Knight to be around. And, you know, our football team, this is our year. It's every, every year is our year, but this is the, <laughs> the real version of that. This is the real version of our year. And I look forward to them living up to that potential. I like how you put that. Uh, well, I'm very happy to hear all's going well. Um, the first question that we always ask everybody is um, for our listeners who are learning about SEL for the first time is what does SEL mean to you? Well, it's a great question, Jenny. Um, and social and emotional learning uh, essentially is really the process by which uh, children and adults learn to relate to themselves, relate to other people um, and solve problems. So when we think about the types of skills that we understand that relates to ourselves. These are intrapersonal skills like self-awareness, self-management. Uh, these are skills that help us solve intrapersonal problems, like how do I channel my emotions towards constructive aims? Uh, and then we have interpersonal skills, things like social awareness, social management, relationship skills. Uh, and the, the point of all of these things is problem solving. Right? How we solve problems is going to be intimately related to our social and emotional skills. And when folks are more 
uh, fluent with these social emotional skills. They're more fluent in their problem solving in the social domain. And as we know, that problem solving has a lot to do with whether or not folks are prepared for the world of work, whether or not they're prepared for community, and whether or not they're prepared to pursue their goals in college and post-secondary outcomes. So it does seem that the SEL community is really interconnected, um, whether that be at the level of researchers, um, professionals, academics, educators. Um, so on our first, to, to elaborate a little bit more on that, on our first podcast episode um, in this series, we focused on the lab's partnership with SEL Day. Um, so would you mind telling our listeners a little bit more about this campaign and your role as the director of SEL and how it all began? Absolutely. Uh, so Social Emotional Learning Day is a partnership between the Urban Assembly and SEL for US. SEL for US is a grassroots organization that serves as the parent support for uh, state level social and emotional learning constituents. So SEL for New Jersey, which is a great organization, SEL for Texas, for example. Uh, SEL for US is an organization that helps to consolidate and organize these folks. Uh, so a couple of years ago, we had an idea here at the Urban Assembly that uh, what social emotional learning day needs, excuse me, what social emotional learning needs is a day, um, a day to recognize the power, a day to recognize the institutions that develop folks who have the social emotional competence, um, and a day to just organize all of us around this important aspect of our lives, which is how we contribute to ourselves and our communities. Uh, so last year, we had an amazing, amazing day. We had 14 million people reached by our uh, Social Emotional Learning Day. We had uh, eight states, Texas, New Jersey, Connecticut, Delaware, uh, DC. We had a number of states uh, issue proclamations, naming it Social Emotional Learning Day. The House of Representatives actually uh, went out and did the same and said, this is the official Social and Emotional Learning Day. And more importantly, and most importantly, we had kids across the country having an opportunity to engage in the kinds of activities that support and promote their social and emotional skills. And we honored uh, the folks who helped young people develop these skills. Um, and we're looking forward to an even bigger day next year. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, having a, a theme that really brings people together um, and helps us really recognize what it means to be social and emotionally competent in pursuing of the common good. It seems like you guys really did a wonderful job in 2020 of pivoting from um, the real event to more of the virtual thing. Um, that was so impressive. What was kind of the input? Like, how'd you do that? Just like everybody else, you know, Jenny, uh, sitting down, looking at a problem set and figuring out how we get to this end state, um, given what the challenges were. We had a opportunity to uh, work with folks and have school visits across the country. And we looked at the pandemic and we looked at the challenges that the pandemic was uh, pulling out. And, and we decided that we're going to still do this work, but uh, move it from a in-person space to a virtual space. Um, and so what you saw were students uh, creating TikToks. Uh, you saw uh, videos. You saw teachers being recognized by their students and principals being recognized by their teachers. And you saw a movement across the country that said that social emotional learning is important, not just today, but every day. Um, and is it ground, grounding for what it means to build community across our nation? How wonderful. Um, now, introducing the Urban Assembly, which um, we know as an organization dedicated to advancing students' economic and social mobility by improving public education. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how your organization works? Like how, with this, I know you've got schools all over the place. Like, yeah, how does it all work? Yeah, absolutely. So as, as you said, Jenny, uh, we have a mission 
I take very seriously. Um, and I think this is the mission that's going to help us move our field forward and as well as our nation. And it's talking about uh, enhancing social and economic mobility by improving public education. So what does that mean? Um, that means we seek to produce innovation within public education and then scale that innovation from our kids to all kids. Uh, so we have work that we've done obviously in the social emotional learning domain that started at the urban assembly that's now in states across the country. Um, and in fact, across the world, if you count Jamaica and some work that we're doing over in Dubai, um, if it looks like when we're looking at post-secondary outcomes, uh, understanding what are the constraints to our students being the best versions of themselves that they can be. A student debt, making sure they have post-secondary fit, making sure that they have credentials outside of college so that students can think about what are the best ways for them to move their careers forward. Um, and that work is started at the Urban Assembly and again, moving to all kids. It, it looks like our algebra success program started at the Urban Assembly in which we're looking to spread um, where we're focusing on what does it mean to ensure that young people are thinking mathematically and removing the constraints like algebra to being successful in terms of graduating. And we've invested in that and we've done some really great work in that. And because of that investment, we're really learning about, a lot about what it means to prepare students to be successful, not only in college career, but also in their communities. So uh, that's the Urban Assembly. We have 23 schools here in New York City. Um, and within those 23 schools, we think, we ideate, we refine concepts and products that we can take to the rest of the country. How does the Urban Assembly motivate its students? Like what kinds of programs um, does it use to kind of instill that value for pursuing education later in life? Well, first I would say students motivate me uh, probably more than I motivate them, right? I look at students every day and I realize and I recognize uh, the better we do, the better we enhance their outcomes, the better we unleash their potential, the better our communities will be, the better our country will be, um, the better our ourselves will be, or we will be. And so the students uh, I sit with, they, they motivate me, they, they inspire me, um, they teach me. And every time that I have an opportunity to sit with one of our students is a day that I spent uh, helping, my, helping get my confidence and motivation up. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, secondly, in terms of learning, you know, we create tasks that are engaging. If we are invested in, in understanding our strengths and challenges of our students, and we're organizing our classrooms around those strengths and challenges, students have all the motivation they need. Uh, learning is, is, is a task that all young people do. It's, it's part and parcel of the developmental processes um, of growing up. So the goal for us is to tap into those processes rather than constrain them with our learning methodologies. The goal uh, is not to motivate students, but to unleash the motivation that they already have by creating tasks that are meaningful, by creating environments that are purposeful, and by making sure all of our students are known by their peers and by their teachers and see themselves in these environments. So they think to themselves, you know, this is worth it. This is, this is the work that I want to do. So um, at the end of the day, I think we operationalize that in a number of different ways. Uh, everything from ensuring that students are well-known through assessment uh, to ensuring that students have advisory systems so that uh, they are known by their peers and their, their um, advisors. Um, and then constructing engaging and relevant instructional experiences. Our, our students deserve high quality instruction. Um, and when we give it to them, they respond with motivation. That's a wonderful point. Does that also go back to students seeing themselves and their educators and also, and um, the adult figures that are within those educational settings and also um, those mentors seeing themselves in the students? 
Absolutely. Um, you think about perspective taking and what does it mean to be able to see yourself in another person who's a little different? And uh, that's one way we can think about it. But I think the more interesting thing is, is how do we see a common self uh, in each other? Right? How do we look at folks from different backgrounds and different perspectives and, and come together to create a common sense of who we are and who we can be? And so one part of that is making sure that our educators can really see our students, um, understand our students. Having educators from the background of our students help create a sense of efficacy. Uh, we know that Alfred Bandura passed away recently and he is a father of this uh, theory of self-efficacy. And one of the key things that he talked about was models what kind of models that our students um, exposed to that help them believe that they can do this work. And so when we think about teachers, we need to think, right, uh, not only you're an excellent teacher, but we need to make sure that our teaching force has enough models for our young people to say, yeah, I could do that work. I can do these things. Um, and as we're moving towards that, we need to also recognize back to this notion of listening to our students, understanding where our students are from, that when we see ourselves in each other and we create a common sense of who we are, uh, we're gonna work for each other and we're gonna motivate each other and we're gonna move to outcomes that are gonna help our communities move forward. And so the Urban Assembly is a very large network. What do some of the communities look like that the Urban Assembly um, collaborates with? Yeah, so partnerships are one of the part and parcel uh, key foundations of what it means to be an Urban Assembly school. Um, each of our schools have, has a theme, um, and that theme is grounded in partnerships with either uh, careers uh, or big ideas or concepts. So you'll see schools like the Urban Assembly School for Media Studies or the Urban Assembly School for Performing Arts. And these partnerships are designed not only to have students invest in their futures by seeing how their education parlays into some economic and social mobility, uh, but to have industry invest in our schools to have industry professionals through career and technical education programs, through career pathways, really invest in the notion of public education as an opportunity for our young people to contribute to their community in terms of what they know, what they do, uh, and what they believe. So uh, partnerships are a big deal. Um, obviously, we have a great partnership with the Rutgers uh, Lab for Social, Emotional, and Character Development, an example of a partnership um, that we have brought into our schools through some of the work, the mosaic work, um, through some of the opportunities to write, uh, identity development, pairing with uh, college students, with our middle school students. And these are examples of investing in each other, right? And when we're all investing in each other, we create these webs. Um, and these webs are what lift us all up at the same time. So the, the better our partnerships are, the better our webs are, the better those webs are, the better we're gonna rise. Could you tell us a little bit more about the school support model um, and how this model was created, um, perhaps with your experiences in educational psych and how it works in um, the New York City district secondary schools? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, you know, school support is kind of an amorphous thing. It's, 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 it's changed a lot over, over the years um, and it's had a lot of different manifestations um, and a lot of different approaches. And so at the Urban Assembly now, our current pr uh, approach to school support is about capability transfer. Um, how do we understand what schools can do that's scan? Uh, how do we plug the gaps between what they can do and what they need to do that's plan? Um, and then how do we execute on what those gaps are in order to create the effects that we are looking to accomplish, which is the act. So that scan, plan, act models, how we think about uh, school support at the Urban Assembly. 
Um, and so that means the first thing we're trying to do, and it was really important, is to have a model that gives us a clear sense of the school strengths and challenges, right? What is happening at this school in the context of instruction, social emotional development, um, career pathways, college access, and things like that. Once we have that sense, right, we create plans to think, uh, how do we transfer capabilities that the school will need? Um, and then we focus on tools and coaching, right? So coaching is a direct uh, support to schools in which we are developing schools capacity and capabilities. And then the tools that we develop help those schools to kind of codify the coaching in ways that they can maintain that capability for themselves when we leave. Um, and then lastly, we execute on that and create some effects with regards to identifying um, how we create lines of effort, opportunities to actually interface with the school uh, so that they develop those capabilities over a three-year timeframe. So our general approach uh, is in the three-year space, uh, we measure implementation. Uh, we look to make sure that over those three years, the schools have developed capabilities. Um, and then in year two, we start to taper off support. And in year three, uh, we move to sustaining. So it's also, well, it's mobilizing students for their futures and kind of making sure that those doors are there to be open. It's mobilizing the school systems themselves. Absolutely. It's the, the idea here um, in the same way that the, the goal of a teacher is to create an independent learner uh, and, young, and a problem solver for in their students. The goal of school support uh, is, is not to be in schools. Uh, the goal of school support is to develop the capability of the school and then leave um, and then move to a more support uh, or sustaining support approach, right? Um, if you're supporting schools for five or six or seven or eight years on at the same level of intensity, uh, then we're not doing a good enough job because we're not actually transferring capabilities to, to the school. So same way a teacher thinks the, the goal is not to be in high school forever and to have teachers move through your scaffolds, um, a school support approach should be grounded in transferring capabilities that are measurable um, and then uh, moving to a sustaining approach. So moving on a little bit. Um, so in your piece, integrating social emotional learning isn't easy. Here's how it's done um, for education week. You state that it's important to understand what those district schools are already doing around SEL before introducing a new approach. Um, so when central offices take time to consider how new programs interact with schools, current approaches, school leaders are better able to integrate these ideas into coherent practices. Could you share some instances in which the organization has taken this approach? Some Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, the, the, a clear op opportunity here is when we think about uh, social emotional learning as a, as a work sample or, um, excuse me, as a, a case study. Uh, all schools impact the social emotional development of their young people. Um, all schools are, are developing the social emotional outcomes. The question is how intentional that is. So when you walk into a school and say, I'm going to uh, teach you how to implement a social emotional program versus uh, walking to a school and say, I want to think about how we enhance the work that you're doing by identifying the intent that you're trying to accomplish and the, the gaps between what you want to do and what you're actually doing, schools feel honored. They feel seen, um, and there's a difference between telling people what to do uh, and facilitating their understanding of what quality looks like. So much of the work that happens in schools is very top-down. Um, there are schools who've been doing high-quality, for example, work in, in algebra, and a district may say, hey, here's the new curriculum, and the school doesn't even feel seen with regards to the work that they have already done. So making sure we understand what's happening in schools helps reduce that initiative fatigue um, and helps helps people really own that work for themselves 
rather than having it be an aspect of something that we're pushing down onto schools themselves. Interesting. You've obviously done a lot of research and another piece that kind of stuck out to us was your um, a new vision for education, reimagining this, the social contract. And this was for Thrive Global. Um, one thing we thought that was really interesting that really kind of stuck out was your comment about there's a need to recognize that maintaining common purpose in a context of diverse people and perspectives is not a default setting of the human condition. It takes work. Um, I, that really stuck out to me. I thought that was really interesting. Um, in thinking about schools that maybe don't have an SEL program or you know don't have that integrated, do you think there's opportunities that they're missing out on? And if so, oh, yeah. and if so, what are they? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I appreciate the quote there. Um, you know, the, the 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 narrative human history has gone from kind of small hunter gatherers to to uh, more ethnic based tribes to family to city states right to to nations to nation states and and to uh, global alliances and and this work has been about abstracting um, our notion of community and uh, to the point of the quote that that abstracting is not a default state, right? It takes energy, it takes effort. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about challenges with corruption, right? The number one challenge that most people have faced is nepotism, right? How do you teach people to value uh, competence versus just value who's your nephew, who's your niece, who's your son, right? Uh, in pursuit of helping your community. Because it right. turns out there may be more talent out in the community than your son may have. Uh, but that's not the natural default, right? The natural default is take your family and, and you just look at your son and think that he's the most wonderful thing since sliced bread. Well, he um, is, but yeah, go on. <laughs> I am sure. All of our sons and daughters are, right? Um, and so what, what the social-emotional uh, dimensions of learning and the social-emotional programming in schools gives us an opportunity to do um, is it gives us an opportunity to really take the perspective-taking uh, develop the listening, um, create a community of learners who are better able to interact with difference. Mm -hmm. And when we enable and facilitate students who are able to interact with difference, uh, they are more able to then take that difference in and use it to move towards a community of learners and as well as a community of people. Uh, it's not a one-to-one. -one. I just had a long conversation about this, right? Um, just because we have perspective taking skills or we've been taught how to listen doesn't mean we do it. Um, but it does mean that we're more likely to make it occur. And I'll give you an example. My father drove um, a clutch when I was a kid. And uh, <laughs> now he drives a Volt, a Chevy Volt, right? He's not even in like, he's in like all future end, but I still drive a clutch and they are becoming harder and harder to find. Yeah. And it's not that clutch is like anything exciting. Uh, it's actually pretty much a pain, but but I value it because my father taught me it and it was a skill that took me some time to develop. And so when you teach things to people uh, and teach them through trusted adults, they begin to value the thing that they know and they've learned. And just like I value driving a standard and driving the clutch, when we teach perspective taking skills from trusted adults who model those things, young people will develop and value those perspective taking skills, which makes it easier to facilitate some of these uh, pursuits of the common good um, when folks are equipped to do so. I love it, that's wonderful. And that's a good example. My dad also taught me how to drive stick and like, I haven't done it probably in 20 years, <laughs> but I know I could if I really needed to. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good point though. Back to the Resilient Scholars Program. 
um, created by you. How is this integrated into schools and how does that relate um, to that kind of mapping out how students can navigate preferences and perspectives um, in a positive light? And how can students and educators become involved in this program? Well, I appreciate the question. Um, and so using that scan plan act notion and methodology, uh, the Resilient Scholars Program helps identify the social emotional dimensions of schools across four domains, instructional practices, uh, your behavioral supports, your extracurricular activities, and then your social emotional supports. So uh, a quick example is most schools use turn and talks in order to develop discussion and questioning techniques. Uh, the Resilient Scholars Program helps uh, schools to recognize how a turn and talk activates uh, communication skills um, and can develop relationship skills if it's intentional in the integration of the social emotional context, right? And so as schools think through that, they recognize that they're doing so much already in the social emotional domain. What they need to do often is just increase the intentionality of what they are doing so that teachers and students both know that when they're doing Socratic dialogues and they're waiting for other people to talk, uh, they're using their active listening skills or watching their social cues all these things are social and emotional competencies that they can look to develop. Same thing, we look at behavior supports um, and we look at uh, extracurricular activities. Uh, when we look at things like debate club or basketball, these are really good examples of relationship skills or decision-making or personal responsibility. Um, so that's the first thing that the Resilient Scholars helps do uh, is map. Uh, from there, we move from the scan to the plan. We have an implementation rubric that gives schools an opportunity based on uh, the theory of diffusion of innovation. Uh, to think about how concepts move through social systems, in this case, social and emotional learning as a concept. Plan through those concepts based on that theory, uh, get some feedback, identify areas of strengths and challenges, and then plan through those areas of challenges and maximize those strengths. Uh, lastly, the, there's the ACT. So this is the, the feedback cycle. We have an opportunity for folks uh, to upload evidence and artifacts for the work that they're doing around social and emotional learning. Um, and map that against some really key characteristics of high quality implementation and sustainability. Um, so these things, again, are based in some really good theory around how ideas move through social systems and how they're sustained. Um, and applying that not just to things like public health or electronics, uh, but actually educational ideals and education systems as well. So if folks want to get involved in Resilient Scholars prog uh, Program, all they have to do is email me at dadams at urbanassembly.org. I will get them over to our Director of Social and Emotional Learning, Brandon Frame, uh, who will ensure that they can organize their schools around the principles of social and emotional learning. This is so interesting. Um, as I said, I've got school-aged children, so to hear about like the thinking behind the thinking behind the education is just, I feel like I've got like a peek behind the curtain and everything you've said is just really, I've got like 77 more questions, but I won't ask you all of them. Um, I'm sure you have a million stories about the students that you work with and you know how things have started, how you've grown in your role, but are there any stories that you'd like to share with us that kind of or exemplify the values of the Urban Assembly and some of the things that you've been able to accomplish. Absolutely. Uh, I think back to a student who graduated last year um, from the Urban Assembly School for Media Studies. Um, and we do social emotional learning showcases panels um, in order to uh, help create visibility of the work. And so one of the questions we asked the young man's name is Kieran. We said, why is social emotional learning important to you? And he said, I didn't know these were social emotional skills until you taught me they were social emotional skills. 
But now that I know their social emotional skills, I'm really excited to teach my son about what I know around the social emotional learning um, things that I've learned. And so this just goes to this notion of being explicit, right? Uh, being able to name the things that you're doing, um, being clear about them, being able to practice them. And when we name things, we give them power. Um, and then we can pass that power to our children and their children so that when they have an opportunity to solve problems in the social domain, uh, they can use the skills that we've taught them in order to do so. So would you say that um, the Urban Assembly also promotes students to be more intentional, students and educators to be 100%, 200% more intentional? Well, intentionality matters, right? Uh, intentionality is the difference between saying and getting it done. Um, and so we're about getting it done. Uh, we, we know that when you plan, um, you are likely to succeed. And uh, one of our standards is that we go through our schools and do walkthroughs and we at random uh, try to identify some students and ask them what social emotional strength that they have and what social emotional skill that they're working on. Um, and uh, when students are able to do that, we know we're doing a good job. And when students struggle, we know that that school needs more support. So that intentionality is about creating the construct, the idea, the, the space, the frame for folks to operate within. And once you create that frame, once that idea lives through words, through, uh, through language, um, then we know that uh, it's gonna be more effective. There's a, there's a quote that says that um, language doesn't just help us describe the world, it also gives us a sense of what's worth describing. Uh, when you have a word for something, not only does it help you describe, but it also teaches you that the word is there because somebody found meaning in that experience or that interaction. So we think that, uh, we believe that very deeply, I should say, and um, it helps us describe our social emotional lives and also teaches young people it's worth describing in the context of their social and emotional interactions. Oh, before we let you go, uh, what are some things that you would make sure to tell your younger self um, at whatever age? And please do tell us what stage of your life this is and why you would tell yourself this. Okay. Uh, so if I was in elementary school, um, I'd tell myself that uh, it's okay. It's not that serious, whatever the problems were that I was having. Uh, if I was in middle school where I was having problems, like most folks, uh, I'd tell myself that my future version uh, is doing a lot better than you thought he'd be doing. And so, uh, drink water, drive on. Um, I would tell my high school self uh, to sleep less in class and stay up a little uh, less late, uh, pay a little Good bit advice. more attention. Yeah, although I did, a, I did pretty well. Uh, I could have done a lot better. Um, if I was in college, uh, I would tell myself um, that I had a great opportunity to, to leave a legacy and to have wonderful kids and have a wonderful family um, and to create uh, the kinds of friendships that are gonna help sustain that legacy uh, in that space. And so um, those are the things that, that I guess I would tell myself as, as, as I was growing up. And um, again, very blessed to have a lot of folks who invested a lot into me, who poured themselves into me. Um, and at every age, I would appreciate and say thank you to the folks who helped uh, help me be successful. I love it. 
Um, David, thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, before we kind of sign off here, where can we find you on the web? How can we get more information? Oh, yeah. So you can definitely get me at dadams at urbanassembly.org. That's my email. If you look me up on LinkedIn, you can look up David Adams, Urban Assembly. You'll find me uh, on Twitter. I am at dadams underscore S-E-L. Um, and you can find me on podcasts and things like yours. If uh, you just look it up and say David Adams and uh, SCCD, and we'll hopefully have that podcast ready for folks when they're looking it up. Very cool. Do you have any projects that are coming up that you'd like to give a shout out to? Any projects coming up? Um, well, we're doing some good work in New York City. Uh, that's I'll let you know what that looks like soon. Uh, that's a good project that we're look that we're working on. Um, obviously, SEL Day is coming up one more time this year, um, and as we continue to make this bigger and stronger, we encourage folks uh, to get involved, to get your local community involved. What does social emotional learning mean to you? How do you build community and how do you use your SEL skills? Um, and, you know, I was on Rutgers the other day with Dr. Elias doing some walking around Livingston campus and seeing how they did uh, all the work that's happening there and just excited to see how folks are growing and how institutions are developing um, and blessed to have a part in that work. Well, thank you again so much for joining us here today. This has been such a pleasure to talk to you and to learn about the Urban Assembly. So thank you. This has been awesome. Thank you for having me. Um, you can find more about David Adams on Twitter, um, as you mentioned earlier, and the Urban Assembly at theurbanassembly.org, and on Twitter at Urban Assembly, and Instagram at The Urban Assembly. Um, and as always, make sure to check out secdlab.org, um, where you can also find David Adams, and at secdlab on Twitter, Spotify, Apple Podcasts to stay in the loop with SEL and podcast updates. Thank you, everyone.